Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Nehemiah runs into an old pal of his, and he asks about the state of the old city, Jerusalem, where God's people uh, were given this land in which they could inherit all that God had for him. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter 1 and verse 2, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed with fire. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying. Before the God of heaven. Let's pray. Uh, God, I know that, um, obviously, God, I have a, a lot in my heart that I, that I want to say. Um, but God, we, no one needs to hear from me today. And so I just pray that your Holy Spirit would do what he promised to do. And that's to point us to Jesus, to encourage our hearts, to challenge our hearts, to convict us, to do the work that's necessary to make us more like the Son of God. And God, obviously there's a lot of, of things going on in the room today, God, but we just pray that you would clear that out and that you would speak to us in your grace and that you would lead us as we're your people and uh, that you would do a work. Uh, we thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, go ahead and have a seat. So, uh, whenever I knew that this date was going to line up with the end of this series, I, I knew for whatever reason pretty quickly that Nehemiah was the, the place that God wanted me to start. And so I, I have been praying for quite a while as to what are the things that God would have me to say to you on this last time that we're going to be together, just, just for a bit, right? And, uh, and I felt like God said, I'll tell you the things that I want you to pray for them, uh, not I'll give you things to say to them. I will tell you the things that I want you to pray for them. And, and so what I want to do today is I want to take the book of Nehemiah. It's a little bit different than the way that we've gone at True and Better, but hopefully you'll just extend me some grace around the, the, the context of where we are seasonally right now. And I just want to, as, I, as I'm going my way, uh, just let you some, know some things that I'm going to be praying for you out of the book of Nehemiah that I hope will be a blessing to you and will encourage you and that we can uh, just kind of be built up together here today as we spend a little bit of time together in God's Word. Fair enough? And, uh, and if you're taking notes, maybe just jot these things down and if we can pray in agreement, we'll trust that God will, will do His thing and will uh, accomplish these things. So these are things that um, I said last week. A lot of them have kind of been on my heart for, for a bit and so we'll try to get them off and, and go from there. Uh, number one, the the first prayer that I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you uh, as we head to Indianapolis is just around the place that you're becoming, the place that you're becoming, and the reason that I, I I'm gonna be praying that is because I believe that lots of times we talk about God having a passion for people, and of course that's true, right? God has a passion for each and every person in this room. God has plans and thoughts and intents for each and every person in this room. That's a Wonderful thought for us to think about, but we don't often think about that God not only has a passion for people, but he has a passion for place. He's got a passion for place. And when you read through the book of Nehemiah, you see that the place that God had given his people 
was in disarray and in dysfunction and in chaos, and people were suffering because of it. The place that God had given them wasn't working the way that God intended it to work. And the book of Nehemiah is of a man getting a vision for a place for God's people to be rebuilt so that God's name could be exalted and so that God's people could be blessed in the midst of the place that God had for them. Now, if you've been a part of this series, True and Better, you know that our true and better builder is not Nehemiah, right? Our true and better builder is Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus kind of lays hands on a dude by the name of Peter, and he says, Peter, you are the rock, and I am going to build my church, right? In the Old Testament, you have a place that gives to his people, and it's a geographic location. You can drive your car or ride your horse or whatever to this place, and it's a specific address. The place that God gives his people in the new covenant is the church. It's a place in which God's people can be blessed and God's name can be exalted. And I think that God has a passion for every person who walks into this room But God also has a passion for what defines this place and what makes this place what it is. And the realization that this place needs to be becoming certain things. So let me tell you how I think about this. Uh, The sister book to Nehemiah is a book by the name of Ezra. Both are the same story from two different experiences. Jerusalem is broken down. God's people are in disarray. God's name isn't being exalted. God chooses Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls of the city, thereby creating safety for God's people. And he chooses Nehemiah to go and rebuild the temple within the walls of that city, thereby giving God's people a place to worship and commune with God. And so my prayer for you about the place that you're becoming is those two things. That your corporate relationship with God would be deep, would be passionate, would be ferocious, would be fervent. Not Chris' relationship with God, not Tracy's relationship with God. That this place would be defined by those people love Jesus. Those people love Jesus. And they are a people who are defined as a place of worship. As a place of communion with God, as a place where Jesus' name is lifted up. And can I tell you something, guys? There are places called churches where that doesn't happen. And my prayer is that God would never let that happen at Damascus Road. That Damascus Road would always be a place of profound, redemptive, beautiful worship. My prayer also is that this would be a place of safety. Whenever God sends Nehemiah, he says, look, we can build this temple, but if it's always under attack, and if it's always got chaos, and if it's always got disorder, then that worship is going to be interrupted, right? And so a church needs to be a place of order and of safety. And what that means is that the relationships that define this place have to be healthy enough that people feel safe coming into them. I don't know if you've ever gone into a room where there's tension in it, And you're like, uh, you want me to come back? Right? Should I, should I, you know that sometimes you step into a church and it, you can tell right away if it's a healthy, safe place. Right? You can tell right away if it's a place that 
I'm welcome. You can tell right away if it's a place that uh, is, is sincere and authentic and genuine or two-faced and hypocritical and cynical and judgmental. And my prayer is that God would continue, and by God's grace it's continue, not start, continue to have this be a place where the name of Jesus is worshipped and where it's a safe place for people to come in and find healthy, Christ-exalting relationship. I pray that for this place. I pray that God preserves what He's begun over the last handful of years, and I pray that God exponentially builds on it. Listen, y'all, in the years that I come back, I want the worship here to be greater than it was today. Not the same, right? Not, Not, we just maintain status quo. No, I want you to be more deeply in love with Jesus in six months than you are on this day. I want you to be more passionate in worship of Jesus than you are in a year than you are today. And I want the relationships to define this place. I don't care how many there are necessarily. I, I pray there's as many as possible. But I pray that the quality of them would be such that it's attractive to people, that it feels safe to people, that people can come from all different walks of life and say, I can connect to that place because that's a place where people love God and love me. People love God and love me. And here's the thing, y'all. I'm, I'm going to be leaving and so if y'all don't talk back to me, I'm not going to know if you understand what I'm about to be praying, okay? So if you agree with me, you can say amen or hallelujah or, uh, you know, any other kinds of crazy things that you want to say. I don't care. Say whatever you want. I'm leaving, so I can't do anything, okay? So if you want to get up and do a dance, do, do your thing. You do you and I'll do me, all right? Fair enough? Okay. Amen. <laughs> I don't mean right this second, all right? That was just a practice round. Just a practice round. So number one, I'm praying around the place that, that you're becoming and the belief that, that God is going to build this place. I believe that. And I believe that the things that have happened in the last handful of years at Damascus, I don't think that any man can stop what God intends to do. Okay? And so I believe that God is going to build this place and that he's going to build it uh, to make much of Jesus and to invite people to know him. Number two uh, is I'm praying around your valuing and practice of honor. Okay, your valuing and your practice of honor. And here's how I would say this. Uh, worship Jesus, honor those God uses. Okay, worship Jesus, but honor those God uses. First, God has a passion for place. Second, Worship Jesus, but honor those God uses. If you read through the book of Nehemiah, over and over and over again, people get named. They did this. They did this. They built this. They made this decision. People who influenced the place where God's name is lifted up and where God's people are blessed, they are called out and given a place of honor in the book of Nehemiah. Now, this is an interesting thing because... We're living in a time where uh, hierarchy and authority and power is viewed cynically. And so some people, when you talk about honor within the church, they say things like, that's not really a part of the culture anymore. Everyone's just equal and we're tolerant of everyone. Or uh, if we do that, it will feed the ego of the people that we're giving honor to. And we don't want to do that, so... Let's not honor them, right? Or uh, only the only ones who deserve honor are those who have served God for many, 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 many years. And right as they're about to go out, we'll give them an attaboy or an girl. okay? Lots of reasons. But I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 with me. We ask you, brothers or sisters, 
to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them, what's it say? Very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. So, a couple of things that I want you to see there. The first is that word, respect. And that word, in other places, is translated, uh, recognize or honor. Uh, brothers, I want you to recognize and honor those who labor among you and are over you. I want you to esteem them very highly in love. I want you to esteem them very highly in love. Uh, let me tell you why I think that this is important. Um, so I've been in Madison for, for f- four years, and I have found that the religious currency in Madison is cynicism. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are in a place where cynicism is the religion, and you are, you can be tempted... Uh, to bring that into the place that God sets apart for His people. And you can be tempted to come up with reasons why it's okay for you to constantly question motives and intent and, and, and micromanage, that it's okay for you to gossip about leaders, that it's okay for you to slander leaders, that uh, it, you don't have to be kind or gracious or supporting or uh, trusting of people who are leading you in the place that God has ordained for. And what I want to make clear to you guys is that uh, when we give honor to somebody, we aren't saying they're better than us. Right? We're not saying, I'm giving honor to you because I'm here and you're here. Uh, We're not saying that that means they're always right, or that they're more spiritual, or that they're more godly. We're not saying that. And we're not saying that there aren't times that leaders abuse authority and manipulate God's people. Okay? We aren't saying any of those things. What we are saying is that in this place where we want to make much of Jesus and create order and safety for people to come in, we want to honor those who God uses. We want to recognize those who God uses. We want to highly, very highly esteem them in love. Why? Because that builds walls around a place. Cynicism tears walls down, don't they? Cynicism creates disorder and dysfunction and fear and anxiety that erodes love that God wants to use to define His place and His people. And so what I'm praying for you is that you will reject the Madisonian view that cynicism is an acceptable practice in the place that God ordains. And that you would say, no, we're going to trust the goodness of God, we're going to trust the faithfulness of God, we're going to trust the sovereignty of God, we're going to make much of Jesus, we're going to worship Jesus only, we're not going to worship any man or any woman, we're not going to say if, if they come or go, it's going to change what God's building, we're not going to do that. But we are going to say... Those whom God uses to lead us are worthy of honor. They're worthy of honor. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean they aren't going to fail you. It does mean that when they do, God's greater than that. God's greater than that. Okay. And let me tell you why I can say this. For two reasons. One, because I have messed up 
on y'all more times than you know? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you've always shown me honor. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I know that you're in a place that's going to always question that. And so I'm praying that God will actually build that in this place. That you won't succumb to cynicism and fear and anxiety. Here's the other reason. You have amazing leaders. Good and godly and trustworthy men and women who serve this body and have served this pastor for the last four years. And they're worthy of your honor. And you have a man who's coming who's a good man. And he's got a godly track record. He's got a wonderful family. And I want you to be on guard against self-protecting, self-guarding cynicism that will tear the walls of this place down and keep it from becoming a place where Christ's name is exalted. I want you to trust Him. I want you to follow Him. I want you to pray for Him. I want you to be kind and gentle and gracious to Him like you have been to me. Because I believe God blesses that. It doesn't mean He's not going to fail you. Listen to me. He is going to fail you. But we have a true and better, don't we? We have a true and better. The elders are going to fail you. The deacons are going to fail you. The community group leaders are going to fail you. The people who serve this body, they're going to fail you. Why? Because they need Jesus just like you do. But we honor them. And we highly esteem them. And we reject the idea that someone in authority is not to be trusted. And we say God's greater than all of those things. This is the kind of place that we want to see God build. Number three, I'm praying for your resiliency. I'm praying for your resiliency. I'm praying for the place that you're becoming. I'm praying that you would value and practice honor. And I'm praying for your resiliency. In chapter four and chapter six, Nehemiah is building the wall and he comes under some pretty severe attack. We would say spiritual attack with tangible application, right? There are times where spiritual attack is unseen and there are times where spiritual attack is very much seen. Now here's what I want you to understand about this. Um, hard times do not mean God isn't at work. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Nehemiah is building this wall and he doesn't face uh, complication. He doesn't face hard times because he is failing. He faces them because he's succeeding. Listen. Hard times do not mean God has left, you're screwing up, or you're going the wrong direction. Sometimes it means the exact opposite. God is here, we're doing well, we're going the right direction, and we're in a place that God knows there needs to be a gospel-centered light in the city, and the enemy does not want that. Hard times do not mean that God isn't at work. Many times it means the exact opposite. And so here's what you're going to have to wrap your head around, guys. We're young, young church. And we're going to have to uh, be resilient. We have to be stronger than our years. And what that means is that we're going to have to uh, have a resolve and a conviction of what must happen in this city. And we're going to believe that God is greater than any attack or any transition or any hard time. We're going to trust that He is with us and that He's present and that He'll lead us through whatever valley and that at the end of the valley is the mountain. God will always be at work. 
Let's not get bogged down with what we see or transitions or concerns or difficulties or youth or immaturity or any of this kind. Let's believe that when God says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that sometimes that means hell's going to show up. But they're going to lose. Sometimes uh, terrible things are going to happen. Sometimes painful things are going to happen. My prayer for you is that, not that you'll muscle up, right, and grit your teeth and, and that you'll trust God. And that in this deep-seated conviction of what must be in the city of Madison, based on that conviction, you'll have a resolve that will keep you through dark times. That you won't question whether or not God's at work, that you won't question whether or not God has a plan, but that you will um, see beyond the dark time to that pinhole of light out there in the future. Right? So I pray that God will continue to develop the place that you're becoming, continue to develop your practice of honor, continue to develop your real resiliency. And then number four, uh, I pray that God will develop three rhythms for you. Are you still with me? Three rhythms. The first is a, uh, is a rhythm of repentance. It's a rhythm, rhythm of repentance. Uh, repentance, many times, is just the ability to see yourself clearly in the mirror. Uh-huh. Right? It's just to be able to look clearly at what Damascus Road is and what Damascus Road is becoming and say, there are wonderful things that God's doing, but there are other things that we need to repent of. And here's the thing about repentance. It needs to happen more often than we think it does. Right? I don't know if you're like me, but you get to the end of your week and you're like, I don't think I've confessed any sin this week. Oh, well. Right? No. Repentance is a daily occurrence in the individual's life and it should be a regular occurrence in the body life of a church. To regularly look and say, are we making much of Jesus? Are we... Community-based? Are we mission-focused? Is, is the gospel significant is the, in this place? Are the walls up? Is the temple built? Are we becoming the kind of place that we believe God wants us to become? And if not, not to just keep plowing through, but to hit our knees and say, Lord Jesus, forgive us. Lord Jesus, empower us to be transformed so that we can be the kind of place that you're building, not the kind of place that any man is building. You see this regularly. Nehemiah doesn't show up at Jerusalem and say, the walls are down, let's go get bricks. What's he do? He hits his knees and prays a prayer of repentance first. Before he starts building, before he gets blueprints, before he gets stones, he has a, a, a passion for repentance. One of the things that you need to understand, guys, is that repentance is not condemnation. Not in Jesus. That should be a great spot for you to holler Amen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, To agree with God about our sin does not lead to condemnation. It leads to forgiveness. And so this practice of repentance isn't one to be intimidated by. It's one to be embraced. It's one to be appreciated. It's one to be enjoyed. Imagine a place where repentance is enjoyed. The only way you can enjoy repentance is if you believe the gospel. Right? And so I pray that you would first develop a rhythm of repentance. Secondly, I pray that you would develop a rhythm of work. Rhythm of work. Nehemiah repents, and then what does he do? He gets his butt to work. He gets his his rear end to work. 
Why? Because God's up to something. And he uses people to build it. It, 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 it frustrates me whenever we sit around and pray prayers to God that we don't have any intention of being the answer to. God, change my marriage. Start with her. <laughs> God, build this church. I hope they do it. God, build walls, build temples, build place, practice honor, be resilient. Hopefully Tony does a good job. No. Nope. A place where all hands are on deck. A place where the belief that what God is doing is so big that we need everyone to be a part. And that that being a part isn't an intuitive idea, it's a daily practice. In order to be a place, as God ordained, and a blessing to God's people, all of God's people need to be busy in kingdom work. We need to be repenting, and we need to be busy. We need to be working. We need to believe that, listen, God is at work in Madison, Wisconsin. Can I please get an amen? Yes. Listen, God is, does not need Damascus Road, but God wants to use Damascus Road. And, and we need to be desperate to not miss out on the opportunity to be used by God. We need to be active. We need to be seeking God's face. We need to be uh, repenting daily and working daily. And then number three, a rhythm of celebration. A rhythm of celebration. Here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that there are churches that are good at repentance and work, and there are churches who are good at celebration. But I don't know a lot of churches who are good at repentance and work and celebration. You know those repentance and work guys, they're always, you know, a little dour and a little down and a little sober and, you know, we're busy repenting. And then the celebration people are like, Woo, this is so great! And you're like, have you repented later? I can't hear, the music's too loud. What? <laughs> Why? Why do we celebrate as God's people? Because we can repent. Right? Because when I repent, I, I'm agreeing with God and God's making me look more like Jesus. And that is a celebratory reality. That God changes lives and changes hearts and renews marriages and rebuilds churches and rebuilds cities and rebuilds place and ordains re, uh, uh, you know, homes where His name can be made much of. Listen to me. Don't let Damascus Road be, be lacked in being astounded by the grace of God. Don't let any, any church beat you and celebrate it. I cannot believe that God would be this gracious to us. Don't go into another place and say, they understand the grace of God better than we do. Don't, don't let that happen. Celebrate. Celebrate. Work and repent. But when God shows up, don't just keep trucking. Stop and say, how great is our God? Right? How, how wonderful is our God? How astounded are we to be a place that God would be at work? A place that God would be forgiving and saving and renewing and transforming. A place where we could dedicate babies and hand out coins on the same day. Right? Don't ever get bored with the gospel, guys. Don't ever get bored with the gospel. Don't ever get bored with the grace of God. Don't ever let it get mundane. Regularly practice. And I would encourage you, if you find yourself at a point where you go, we haven't celebrated for a while, then throw a party right there. Right? <laughs> throw a party right there. Repent deeply. Work deeply. Celebrate deeply. And God will show up in all of those places. Lastly, lastly, um, 
I looked down at my clock and I was like, man, I got another hour. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm praying around your faith. Uh, and, and this is the reason. In, in Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 31. Paul, you got that? Okay. Look at the prayer that Nehemiah prays. Nehemiah says, And I provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. And then look at what he says to God. It's just kind of the, the walk off. He says, Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Remember me for good. Right? Do you know the reason that that is so profound to me? Is that God does. God doesn't forget. And God doesn't remember me for ill or, or for marginal or for commonplace, God remembers me for good. And so here's my prayer for you. That you'll always remember that God will never forget you. That you'll always remember that the promises of God will always be true. That the power of God will always be greater than any other power. That the gospel of God will always be the thing that changes people's lives. That exalting Jesus above any other person is the one thing that you must do. And that God will never forget you. God will never forget you. And if I can also say this, neither will I. God's been so good to me over the last four years. It's been a a deep joy and a deep honor, even through dark seasons, uh, to be one of your elders, to be the lead pastor. And my prayer, guys, is that this day will just be a trampoline into new, more profound, more fruitful, more beautiful seasons. And I will always be in touch. Uh, I will always be uh, staying up to date. And I will always believe, be believing that God will never forget this place. And, and it will become greater and greater in His glory and, and your joy. And, and your joy will be mine. So, thank you so much. Can I pray for you? All right. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for this place. I thank you for what it is and for what it is. God, we don't want to just be looking into the future and say, won't it be great when? We want to say, isn't it great now? God, isn't it, isn't it wonderful, uh, the people that you've saved? Isn't it wonderful, the marriages that you redeemed? Isn't it wonderful, the, the people that we've baptized? Isn't it wonderful that uh, the couples who are now married and seeking to, uh, to follow you, the children who are being sought to be raised uh, in your glory and, and for your name? Isn't, isn't it wonderful, the place that you have made? And uh, because of what you have done, God, we're trusting what you will do. God, I want to thank you for the last... Four years, God, when I, I came to Madison, I, I, I didn't really know what the future would hold. Uh, I felt very clearly about the things that you wanted me to do in my part in the story. Um, but I, I, I didn't know what you were going to do. And God, you've been good and faithful and kind and you haven't forgotten us. And hard times haven't meant that you weren't at work. And uh, this body is sought to be resilient and repentant and faithful in work, and celebratory around your grace. And God, I just pray that you will continue with more and more. God, we are, we are greedy for your work in our lives. We are greedy for your presence in this place. Uh, we want more of you, and more of your grace, and more fruit, and more joy. And so we come to you on this day of transition where 
we're going to go our way and this church is going to go their way. But the same God unites, the same God leads, the same God uh, is seeking to make, make much of his son, God. And I pray that will accomplish those things. Exalt your son in our lives for your glory and for the last time for our joy, God. I thank you for Damascus Road Church. Thank you for the future that you have for and the past that you've led her through. I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of it. I love you. I love this church. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.